Red Channel Condition with Michael Cocked into insanity Jonathan No! That but yes! And Peter This is mental illness in, in motion. Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of Red Channel Condition. As usual, I'm your host, Peter, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Jonathan, and the Mike AI. Guys, what's going on? How you doing? Doing okay. You know, another, you know, another weekend, another episode. So let's get it going. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, it's good, good stuff. Good week. Going strong in season three. Time keeps occurring. <laughs> well, how are you guys this week? Well, you know, did anything happen? It's just business as usual. I kind of looked up from uh, from World of Warcraft. My hours of playing have decreased, and uh, but you no, know, my my character is still leveling for for those that care. Uh, well, not leveling. He's he's done leveling. He's gearing up now. I'm going fishing. I'm going mining. I'm picking up hobbies and and side activities for my for my WoW character. Jesus. <laughs> oh my god! You know I'm right there with you too. That's the sad it's part. It's great. I'm just the you know the loser just playing Sonic Frontiers. You know, that's the you know, playing uh offline single player games. Um, <laughs> you know I watched the the Game Awards this week. You know I watched those. I watched it primarily to try to win a Steam Deck, which of course I did not win. Uh, shout out to anybody that won a Steam Deck watching the Game Awards this week. Those are all bots. I, I swear, like, there, there are no real people. I think my favorite thing was watching the little uh, pop-ups that said, you know, congratulations to, and then, like, a random string of numbers for winning a Steam Deck. <laughs> like... Fucking bots. You know, also, my favorite, you know, shout-out to Milf Hunter. Milf Hunter was the greatest winner of, of the Steam Deck. You know, he will... Uh, Milf, Hunt, <laughs> yeah, Milf Hunter will go down in internet history. He's already a meme legend. What about that kid that got arrested for showing up on stage uh, yeah. and then name dropping Bill Clinton. Come on, that's that's a legendary move. There there was some weird kid that showed up, you know, as they were giving the award for game of the year to Elden Ring. Uh and the kid came up and he he's apparently he was like a kid from Info, who had previously showed up on InfoWars, right? So that should give you a vague idea of what kind of timing this uh person is on. And, you know, the kid was like, you know, the kid uh, gave a speech, you know, like uh, 10, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. And the kid was basically like, you know, I'd like to shout out, uh, give a shout out to my Orthodox Jewish rabbi, Bill Clinton. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he was escorted off stage. So, yeah, I, I you know, it was a it was a very you know, noteworthy move for sure. Right. The kid just sort of showed up behind. uh <laughs> Hidetaki Miyaka, uh, Miyawa, or, God, I forget his name. I think it's Hidetaki Miyaka. Fuck, I just, I, I sound so bad uh, mispronouncing his name. But the guy that produces Elden Ring. Racist. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like he, he just showed up behind him and, you know, he could have, you know, because this is America, right? Like he could have just like stabbed him or something like that. And you know, it would have been nothing like the security is very, I guess, not great at this thing. Well, I mean, it's the Steam Award shows, not like the Oscar where hey, you can have. It's just, right. It's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of gamers and a bunch of guys that make games. So, like, who would right, who cares? Yeah, who would expect any of them to carry weapons, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, like he he just showed up and you know, made this speech and yeah, he's he's also a legendary meme moment at the moment. I was watching it and I was wondering what the hell is Al Pacino doing there. 
Teal'c was was filibustering. <laughs> it was like a fifteen minute acceptance speech. Yeah, uh, was it? Was, it, <laughs> oh my was God. it Christopher Jones or something like that? Or Chris, Christopher Judge? Yeah. yeah, the voice of uh, God of War. Yeah, Kratos. Kratos. Yeah, he. Uh, it was. It was kind of a struggle for him to speak, but I think he had recently been sick, so like that's why uh, he was uh, taking his time. No, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was, like, entertaining as hell. Like, they try to play him off, and the guy just, like, upped his voice and was like, <laughs> this is why I'm the voice of Kratos. You're you can't play me off. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the Game Awards is a funny award show because, like, it's, like, not a legitimate award show, but for this little uh, niche of entertainment, you know, playing a video, it's the most legitimate thing that still exists. Right, like back in the day, like E3 was kind of the thing, right? And you know, obviously, there's been different attempts to bring it back, and like they haven't worked out exactly you know the way it is. So the Game Awards is like it's not exactly a replacement for E3, but it's kind of like the you know here's where all the the little bits of the industry gather, and you know, also you get like trailers and. You release information, so you get a little bit of the hype and stuff like that. So it's like three hours of commercial stuff. Yeah, hey. that's really what it. Is. But I mean, it's interesting, and I'm you know I'm just glad that uh, you know Modern Warfare's checks haven't cleared yet. Like <laughs> you know, they were on everything, but nope, they weren't sweeping anything. Yeah, not a, they didn't sell enough Dorito labels. You know, not not <laughs> enough uh, uh, crunchy Dor- uh, Dorito taco boxes at Taco Bell in order to win awards. Wow, it sounds like you guys had like a fun weekend playing WoW and watching award shows. And I was—I've just been in bed. I've—I've I've been sick these last fucking few days. It's been—it's been awful. Yeah, guys. I hope you're getting—you're uh, getting better, yeah. starting to get patched up. It's been really disgusting too, you know, because like I've been—you ever—you ever like wake up, you know, after like a like a solid night of just fever sleeping, and then like you like for me it was weird. It was I like I hacked up I hacked up this like this pure solid germ crystal. Like it was green. <laughs> yeah, it was. It wasn't even snot anymore. It was just this like solid green kryptonite like looking thing that smelled funny. And and I haven't had something that odd come out of my body in a long time. So you know, this is why I'm weird. so glad to be nothing but like lines of assembly code. <laughs> yeah, you're so lucky right now. That sounds terrible. I'm so jealous of you. You can't get sick. You can't age. You can't die. Like. You got it made, man. Yeah, like I gotta say, I have not uh, produced a germ crystal in quite some time. Yeah, that that's a new one. Yeah, like I was oddly, I mean, I was kind of proud of it. It's like when you take like a really fat shit and you don't want to flush it, and you just kind of want to admire what your body's created. Yeah, we, used to have, we used to have a you name know? for that, but we're gonna keep that off the podcast. <laughs> we used to have, we used to have a name for that. But you know, the show must go on, right, yes. guys? And we got uh we had a listener contact us through email. Uh but we got an email from one of our listeners, and uh I think it's time for Messages from the Ether. Wow. Just wow. I just finished listening to your December 3rd show, and I now understand why you have, and I'll try to be kind, a slow-growing fan base. You decided to spend your show reaching into the mailbag and read the comments of one of your true fans. You spent the entire show shitting all over him. You mocked his decision not to own a home, predicted a life for him without love, 
and made fun of him for not living in a large city. It's no surprise that you only had one letter to share. Well done, you little school sharks, you. Now that I got that off my chest, let's discuss one of the topics he points to you. Gun culture. Your fan questioned why you assume more guns automatically need more shootings. The question your fan poised is based on rural life. He doesn't understand why you fear more people with guns here in New York City. Since everyone he knows has guns, and he claims this area doesn't have mad shootings. Your show's answer is fine, in that you try to explain the law of averages. You could have also pointed out to him that the number one cause of death for children in this nation being shot dead. Let that sink in. Enough said. Responsible gun use isn't the given he thinks it is. Another segment you discussed was the rail strike Congress and the Biden administration averted. You all had issues with when and how a transportation union can strike. You touched on the fact that other countries handle this by nationalizing these businesses. The U.S. government historically has taken a different path. Our transportation infrastructure is in partnership with private companies. These businesses are exempt from most monopoly rules due to the fact that they are public-funded infrastructure. Unions are allowed, but their power to strike is limited and with good reason. Their existence was paid for with public money. Our taxes paid for these jobs. That is why our government can step in, unlike the hospitals around the nation that are privately owned. For example, the government can't end a nationwide nurses' strike. Despite the fact that nurses are considered essential workers, the government cannot impose a solution. This rail crisis isn't over. Stay tuned. This is why politics matter. It's the job of our representatives to impose morality on capitalism. That's what regulations are. We as the people have a right to voice how capitalism works here. These past two years under the Biden administration have been somewhat successful in this regard. Not perfect, but encouraging. I like that you guys are having these discussions. We as a nation depend on an educated voting base. Hopefully, you can keep these conversations going even as you rip your loyal fans to shreds. Sincerely, your other fan. I, I guess because uh, part of this was about the uh, getting the gun discussion off off of the reader, the listener's chest. I know that was uh, a place where I had a lot to say. So, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on that. You know, I definitely was trying to talk about odds, right? You know, I made it clear that you know my interest in uh, guns and you know, controlling their usage, right, was based on the density of the area that. Uh, guns were going to be used in and my concerns were about you know, adding uh guns to volatile density you know i'm going to stand on that i know that you know the the listener was saying that we could talk about uh the number one cause of death for children was as being shot dead right which is very dark and very true but i feel like i'm i'm trusting the listener you know a college student you know, a person doing uh, computer science or something to that effect to be to be able to understand odds, right? I'm count I'm counting on them to be able to understand statistics. So I hope that if you're out there listening, you know, like you got your number game on point. Yeah, relying on their their uh, propensity for some kind of mathematical understanding. I got. Um, I have to trust it. I have to trust <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean. It's so nasty, right? Because you're dealing with an issue of rights. How can you have rights for one state and not the other? That whole goes back to the original sin of the foundation of this country. 
I mean, I I don't think that it's about you know rights either, right? Because no one no one is saying that no one can have a gun. It's about the difficulty of having a gun in a particular location, right? Where you're going back right into the into that court case where it's been so difficult, it's impossible unless you knew some corrupt assholes, you know, willing to essentially sell you that permit. That's what all of this is about, and. It un- it opened up the floodgates. Maybe the solution should be so that the the cops are not the arbiters of of that. Maybe it should be the government that is the arbiter of that, right? Because that's that's what the that's what the rules or laws or what have you already are, no matter where you live at, right? You know, I don't you know again. There's no easy answer, but I still stand on the idea that it should it should be harder the more people are crammed up in one space. Because you know we're, it's it's about the, you know the the, the nature of people and you know people leaning towards volatility and chaos in an area where there's a lot of people stacked up on each other, you know with their own uh, interests and actions and agendas and whatnot. In the middle of uh, some pretty severe mental health issues, like we just talked about that last week, yeah. right? Like they're trying to. You know, they're trying yeah. to resolve that issue. So, and I, you know, I am, again, I'm not here to infringe on the rights of the people or anything like that, but there's no way that, you know, any, you know, rational, good faith arguing person could think that the solution for, you know, should be to give people who are suffering mental health issues firearms. <laughs> You know, or allow them, <laughs> right, or allow them to more easily leverage their right to bear those firearms. If you're a crazy person, if you're a person suffering a mental health issue, and you could get your gun, then hey, you know, if you go by the proper route and you get your gun, cool, right? Like, what can we do, right? That's what the law is, right? But it should not be easy, you know, depending on where you are. Yeah, and I'm not even sure this country is persuaded by the fact that the number one uh, cause of death in children are guns, because like school shootings are, I mean, are are relatively common enough that they're not shocks anymore. I mean, you guys remember when Columbine occurred, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Holy shit! And you know now it's like yeah. The the response to Sandy Hook, you know, couple you know, yeah, like ten done. years ago was like yeah. not even like not only was it not to do any kind of you know, make any rules or laws or whatever to to make it any easier, but people decided to go the you know it it's just fake it's crisis actors route like that's that's why Alex Jones was sued into the shadow realm, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's why Kanye West is talking to a stick, like. Also, I don't know if we shat on him that bad. I, you know, I, I feel like that was like a good 55%, 60% power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was more love. It, it comes from a place of love. You, you only shit on the people you, you love. Well, you, you truly love. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're interacting with the Red Channel community the way that we interact with each other. Because we're all, like, we're all... Fr- yeah. You're part of our family. You're one of us. It's, all love, on, it's all love on the ship, right? <laughs> No hate, no hate on the show. Exactly. Any any further thoughts you wanted to give towards the uh, the union strike that the listener mentioned in his email? The emailer uh, makes makes a good point. It, the rail system was was built on the backs of the taxpayers, and and I mean that's why we can have a say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish that while we were 
mediating uh this 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 labor dispute that you know we gave these people the sick leave that they that need, needed because like insane to me that sick leave is even a thing yes, that we're fighting right. about right like that that yeah. to me is is just crazy it's like no you can't get sick like it's your choice yeah Right. I, I what what I appreciated uh, from the reader is the st- or the listener is the statement you know, uh you know it is the job of our representatives to impose morality on capitalism. That was a very mm. inter- that was a very interesting line. Yeah, I personally agree with that, right? Because I just you know I I don't know if I want to call it morality or anything like that. Only because you know I'm sure that there's some sort of person out there, some like you know federalist law guy or like originalist law person or something like that that will argue that like that's not the case or you know that the word morality is like a loaded word because you know whose morality are we talking about and blah 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 right but like I personally agree with that. I always thought of it as the government's uh point is to kind of control for the excesses of humanity. Everyone has their own agenda. Everyone has their own, you know, self-interest and stuff like that. And the government's job is trying to herd all these self-interests, all these uh, agendas into one more unified direction, right? So they're supposed to control for the fact that, you know, if we're allowed to do something, we're going to do it to the max, right? Like, if you're allowed to make money, you know, at the expense of someone else, like, we're going to do that shit to the max naturally, right? Like, that's just what we're going to do, right? You know, if we're allowed to eat a thing, we're going to eat that thing to the max, right? Like, if we're allowed to, you know, interact with something, we're going to interact with that thing to the max, right? So it's supposed, you know, the government's job is to control for those excesses, you know, for a better society, right, as a whole, right? So I did appreciate that line that that the listener gave. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go on the record here and say that, you know, I I was working for, and this was not too long ago. This was a major, big corporation, you know, big telecommunications corporation that I was working for. And, you know, it was a non-union role. This is how we get to a place where you're, only, you're not allowed to even have like a fucking bathroom break. Or if you are, it's like you're allowed to have one five-minute bathroom break a day. Like, can you, to me, that's just like ridiculously inhuman. You have to account for your workers being human mm-hmm. beings. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Any you, know, and again, you know, uh, big corporations don't. Big corporations are seeking their own self interest, right? You know, they're they're people too, apparently, right? By law, right? So they, you know, they don't have to care about humans being human. So that's where I would like the government to step in and say, but you kind of have to if you want to operate as a business here. I generally want the government to operate like that. Yeah, totally would be nice. Okay, well, we really appreciate you, listener, for letting us know your thoughts on, uh, on, on, what, we, on what our discussion was from last week and previous shows. Please feel free to reach out if there's anything else you want us to talk about or you want our opinion on anything else. So thanks again. Okay, so yeah, let's just jump into our first topic of the day, which I believe was an article or a series of articles sent to us by John. It seems like he's got a very, uh, he's got a lot of interest in this topic, which was a new AI program called ChatGPT, a prototype artificial intelligence chatbot, has been generating a lot of buzz on the internet for what it can do. And uh, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so... 
you know, all, all you know, all my socials, you know, all the places that I, you know my haunts on the internet have been kind of talking about, uh, you know, this thing, this Chat GPT, right? So, you know, in the past, we've had uh, other types of bots. You know, we've talked about things like that on the show, right? Or, and you've probably seen things like that. You know, people, you know, on Twitter or whatever, generating like a a funny movie script by uh, AI prompts or something like that. Or right. you know, we've talked, we've seen things. Uh, like neural networks, you generating images or what have you, right? You know, but ChatGPT is you know, a little bit different in that you know its strength uh, is based on its handle of of natural language, right? So you can kind of talk of like you can speak of you can speak to it or give it prompts in like a more uh, a more specific way you know, a more natural way and it will produce things, right? Like you could say, for example, uh, you know, I, I, I gave it a write a maze puzzle game for Nintendo Game Boy in C with, uh, in C language with the grayscale graphics where the character has to move from the start to the end of 50 ge randomly generated mazes, right? Like you can say something like that, right? When it will provide you something and, you know, what was crazy about it is that what it provides is pretty detailed, even if the even if the answers are not necessarily like accurate. Right. And you can iterate on the answers. Right. So you could be like so that Game Boy prompt I just gave. Right. Maybe you could say improve it by saying each maze is one full screen you know, or improve it by stating the resolution of the screen is 160 by 144 pixels. Or improve it by saying that you know there should be eight sprites on the screen, right? And then it will it will live revise the code that it spits out, you know, to add you know that prompt and ask you a question in response, right? You know, it's yeah, oh, like sure. it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy, right? Like you could ask it questions about like uh, what did you think about the election in twenty twenty, right? And it generates you know, very detailed human-like text, right? So it'll give its opinion on what it thought happened based on you know, what it knows occurred, right? It's, so it's something else. And there's been a lot of talk about you know, whether or not this AI, you know, if, it could, if, if it gets good enough and gets accurate enough, you know, what it will do to a lot of things that we take for granted, like you know, simply using a search engine. You know, why would you use Google when you can have an AI you know, get you the accurate information you're looking for in plain English, right? Or why you know, why would you write an essay or something like that if you can if you right. can prompt it to write it for you and then just kind of flesh it out? <laughs> you know, this thing was. I mean, one of the articles I think you sent was the fact that this thing was writing like college essays. Yes, right. So you know, there was an article on the Atlantic, you know, basically declaring the college essay dead, right? And, you know, you could put like you could put a prompt in, you know, for example, like I've had like, uh, you know, business management classes or whatever in uh, grad school, you know, and it's basically asking you, you know, uh, create a system, you know, where you can uh, create uh, just in time shipping for, you know, an e-commerce program. Right. So you could literally type that in and it would give you a well-sourced, mind you, essay with this information you know, with this information you can and you can tell it iterate by putting it in uh apa format and it'll do it and it'll give you the citations and you can kind of just flesh it out like oh why would why would you even write an essay when you can do that and get it from them 
like from the AI and have it be uh, you know, uh, plagiarism free too, right? That's the other thing. Like this, uh, this AI can defeat you know, those, uh, you turn, like those apps like Turnitin, you know, hypothetically, right? I'm not telling anybody to do that. Like if they're out here in the streets listening, <laughs> but hypothetically it could defeat like a Turnitin or something like that. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, man. Like where we are in tech at the moment. Yeah, I was just born too early to take advantage of this college. Like that would have been amazing. Yes, sucks for us, right? Instead, I had to hire some other kid to do it. It's crazy. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Like these things, uh, you know, cheating, ah, whatever. Turn it in, whatever. Like, like this was this was happening. This was happening uh, analog style long before, long before digital. It's crazy though, right? Like, wow, you can. You were playing with it, and you just had you just had the AI write out in the, like an entire script to some like to some movie prompt or yes. television show prompt that you had. Yeah, I I made it make another. I made it make a different version of of a Kanye West time travel skit. You know, so <laughs> you, know, I what I will say is that ours was better than theirs, but theirs is pretty fucking good based on the fact that it has no idea what it's doing and it decided to put this. And like it did it, it did it in much more organized fashion than I did. From one of the articles, uh, I think it was from The Verge. There was a there was a quote that said, um, "The scary part was just how confidently incorrect this AI was." Yes, you know, like because it, it writes everything with, you know, like a like a person would that thinks he knows or what what he's talking about. Yes, and it's just confidently incorrect because well, I mean, where where is it really pulling this knowledge from? I mean, even if it had the ability to like reach out you know, onto the internet and scour and scrape the web pages, it would have no idea what is real and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And it's just like throwing all of that stuff into like a grab bag of of sentences of natural language and trying to put it together in a coherent, you know, quote unquote thought. Um, so like this is why like I know these are the the baby steps, right? Yeah. For these reasons, I'm like, ah, I'm not worried about this one. Yeah, Chat GP 2.0, that's, that's the one I'll worry about. Well, I mean, that, I, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, it's fluent bullshit, right? But it's yeah. fluent. But so right. is every college essay. A, yes, exactly. <laughs> a, every college essay is like that. But B, it's fluent, right? It's already, at the it's already at the point where you could read this and be like, wow, this like looks like something, right? You know, a smart user at this right now would take what it output and flesh it out on their own, right? Instead of spending your 10 hours writing that essay from scratch, let this produce this thing in five minutes and then let you spend about an hour on your favorite websites or Wikipedias or something like that and making it good. And now you've saved yourself nine hours, right? And you get an A plus on your essay. This was stuff uh, I was talking about, how, about how there, there's AI... Um... That's being tested on writing legal briefs. Yes, you know accessibility, right? This is kind of like the gods bring bring fire to humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's another one of these things that that is going to make things that used to be somewhat more unreachable, unreachable. You know, whether it's due to uh, an educational block or an institutional block, it all it also lowers the bar for that, yes. so that you know perhaps just regular people can and start taking advantages of it. They're, they're really good points and, and also really scary points. The idea that some, you know, that uh, an AI could produce uh, code, right? You know, 
you know, it will only get better from here, right? You, it'll only improve from this point, right? Like, yes, like what it puts out is basically like, you know, pseudocode at the moment, right? But, you know, as it gets trained on better models, as it gets trained on better answers and, you know, better uh, quirks of different uh, programming languages and stuff like that, we're going to get to the point where the thing could put out shit that you can actually use, right? You know, and then what, where do we go from there, right? Like, if I can be a, you know, if me with the help of an AI that's been well-trained could be a software, an SDE at like a, you know, software development engineer at some, you know, company or something like that, what happens to the people that have been like, you know, cutting, cutting code out, you know, for 20 years, right? You know, why would you, why would you pay them, you know, $300,000, you know, pay like a, you know, 5,000 of these $300,000 when you can use, uh, this AI and you know, 10 people like me, right? And like pay them you know, 50K to do work that is roughly as good, right? I'm sure that there are big companies that are already hoping for that outcome. This is the thing we talked about uh, last time with the kind of AI coming for our jobs. Like mm -hmm. that market for those big salaried engineers, those, might, those, those are going to shrink. Um, but you're still going to need to know how this AI works. So someone will still be, you know, working there, but it'll be fewer for sure. Yeah. I mean, but that's the whole point, right? It's just to reduce the labor force even more. Right. There's always going to be somebody work who's required to work on the robots, but the labor force is going to be robots. So we're getting close to the, to the AI learning the nuances. And, and I feel like that's when it's over for us. Yes. Like that's, that's what it, <laughs> that's what it's looking like at the moment. Right. That's that's, that's cool. what that's what chat GPT appears to I mean, have. It is pretty neat. Like it's it is pretty neat to be like completely obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, well, look at it go. Look at the AI yeah. go. Right now, uh, this AI is like probably being trained on user prompts. So uh, th there was like another kind of chat box or whatever uh, a few years ago where they had to shut down because after exposure to the internet, it turned into like this crazy Nazi bot. Yes. That's so <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was, um, this... that was Microsoft's uh, AI bot Tay. Right. <laughs> the second that it got plugged into the internet, it immediately became a racist. <laughs> like right away. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what you're putting in is, uh, is also what you're going to get out. Yeah. This is why it's so important what we teach our children. <laughs> so important. Humanity wants a data, but they're most likely going to get a lore. Oh, wow. for sure. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, even Soon got lore first. I mean, he had to make lore to you know oh, see where right. he fucked up. And, you know, <laughs> to make that data. I mean, right now we got a B four, but if that, <laughs> if that. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. I mean, it's very exciting news in the in in the field. I mean, I'm always so excited by this kind of stuff because it's really fascinating to me. But then I also realize that this is probably the end of you know like our jobs and a lot of other you know avenues that make us what we are. Or uh, I personally, I just hope that it gives us that you know this it goes the Star Trek route where we get the the freedom to have more leisure time, right? Like we can, we can do I the, agree. like we let them do the hard shit, you know, so that we can go run our, our, you know, our space gumbo restaurant in New Orleans or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I'm with you. But even Star Trek seems to think that there's going to be a World War III before we get that peaceful mm. future. So, well, if I get nuked, you know, whatever. Like I've had a good run, for sure, yeah. for sure. All right, moving on. Mike, you had linked us an article from Dot Esports, which is obviously a legitimate publication. Uh, <laughs> representatives for the Excelsior are allegedly reaching out to high-skilled players of underrepresented genders. How do you feel about this? Why is this news? Inclusivity is is something you know we we've been striving. We should always uh, strive for. And you know, like what what struck well... me as. <laughs> what struck me as interesting about this is that i remember a time when well i guess esports wasn't really a sport it was just you know dudes playing a game right and i'd say dudes right because yes it was just men it was a complete sausage fest right back in the 90s There wasn't like a woman probably within like 50 miles of of an event like this. And now we have female gamers, streamers, casters, developers, and it really does feel like that I watched an industry develop and then kind of grow up. And and now we're talking about having inclusivity programs and 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 all of that. What I find interesting though is there's now like a push towards it. Like it's it's almost like a forced inclusive inclusivity in, in some ways. Um oh, and this okay. is what where what the New York Excelsiors are doing. The the New York Excelsiors are a team, uh, are an esports team for the game Overwatch, uh, which is a team based first person shooter. And here we are in twenty twenty two, uh we're not just trying to build a team of the best of the best in this game, but we're trying to build a team of the best of the best of, from a selection of perhaps uh, gender fluid individuals. On one hand, that's great because uh, there there isn't a lot of, uh, there isn't, well, right now there isn't any representation for, for those groups of people. On the other hand, I'm thinking about how this could backfire so terribly in that there's probably only like maybe one or two uh, that would really have the skill set at that high level of Overwatch play to become a quote-unquote professional gamer. And you're going to have to be filling up. You're, like, you're basically going to be pulling people up from the G League or uh, maybe even like, you know, like Division 1 or 2 to go and play in a pro sports team. The last time they tried this was an all-women's team. Uh, back in 2019, Vivictus. And that was their whole point, was like, we're going to make the first uh, women's team, and women's teams are going to play just as well against men. And, you know, it turned into this whole thing where I always think it was almost marketing, but it was it turned into this thing of, like, uh, like women versus men instead of just a team versus team. And it kind of lost track of everything. And then, of course, uh, they pulled these women out from, I mean, how many people, how many pro women are there in League of Legends? It's not much. It's a very male-dominated game. Put a team together that didn't quite work, they go 0-14 and 14 and disband, you know? And, like, I feel like that kind of rush sets the movement back as to perhaps letting it occur more naturally. So I don't know, like, I guess this comes down to, you know, inclusivity, how much should you force it? 
and how much because you know we all know how toxic gaming culture actually is yes. <laughs> it's basically sure. it's basically internet culture with a dash of competitiveness and and i want to win you know mixed in so it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible yeah i just wanted to throw it out to you guys like you know what what you guys thought about about this uh about these endeavors as a matter of principle i've generally believed that you know, anything you know, everyone should play like i love games as much as i love anything on this planet like y'all like you and you know how deep i get with games like i've like I'm fucking I'm about this fucking life. Like I have worked in game companies. Like I goddamn love games more than virtually anything that exists. Right? So I want everyone to play games. Everyone. Everyone on earth should play games. Right? So programs that encourage more types of people to play games are generally good. This, you know, I can see, you know, the idea of it kind of uh you're working against the concept of competition, right? Because this is like any league. This is like being in the, this is like NBA or NFL or, you know, like Major League Baseball, but for, you know, this specific video game, Overwatch, right? So, like, if you were in, you know, the NBA or the MLB or something like that, you wouldn't necessarily have a program that's designed to get, uh, I guess, people that may otherwise not challenge at that level to challenge at that level. Right. That wouldn't be a concept. Right. No one would say, you know, are there underrepresented groups in the NBA, you know, not getting on, you know, not getting onto the court. Right. Like we need more uh, white basketball players or we need more Asian basketball players or we need more gay uh, basketball players or something like that. That would not happen. Right. Because the whole point is the best players will play no matter who, what or you know, what you are, or what you're interested in. Right. So I can see that being an issue. You know, I can see the, the concept of this uh, you know, backfiring you know, in, in the Overwatch League, but I don't want them not to try, you know, that said, right? You know, if, this is an un, if this is another on-ramp for you know, talented players to get a shot to play in you know, the Overwatch League, to play for the New York Excelsior, to play esports, then you know, this, could, this could be there, whether it works or not, right? And, you know, it's just an it's just another option for people to play. And I feel everyone should play. It's it's so tricky when you start mixing money in. Right. Because, like, if you're going to be a pro player, I mean, obviously, your your whole point is to try and make make money doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the prize pool in the Overwatch League is one thing. And I understand, like, some people were you know, talking about, like, oh, well, why not just create a new league? You know, like, maybe instead of like your NBA, your WNBA type kind of, kind of thing. Um, and that also kind of comes down to where's the money going to go? Mm-hmm. Like the WNBA, the, like those people aren't making all that much, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. right? For a pro athlete. I kind of feel like that either way, it's not fair to the participants. If the team loses, then you're going to get people to come out and say like, ha ha ha. You know they weren't ready for this. You you know it was this is just a PC woke uh, marketing display. There's no there's nothing there there, or at best you know maybe there's not even enough money for it to be worth it. But at the same time, inclusion matters, and sometimes it needs a really big push because otherwise, 
know, who who else is going to open doors? Everyone should play. The best players should play at the highest level. And whatever whatever you whatever we can do to get there and help people who, who otherwise wouldn't get to play along the way, we should do that. Yeah, I I yeah, the the money the money does make things interesting, right? Because like if you you know, if if there's only what like you know a million dollars or something like that to distribute amongst people or something like that to pay them to play this game and get better and train you know i want you know, are you gonna are you gonna give that money to the absolute best players you know or are you gonna are you gonna give that money to some people who might not be the best player you know but fit some sort of uh you know group that might be underrepresented or something like that you know, ironically, this is the debate that happens in many uh, other aspects of of culture in America at the moment. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of funny to see this gaming subculture mirroring, I guess, the the culture at large. That is that is an affirmative, like affirmative action for Overwatch. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking Ooh. about, right? It's just weird to see it in this context because, I mean, we we played these competitive games, these first-person shooters, <laughs> back when the toxicity level was so high and it was so accepted. Um, and even now, like if you if you go on Xbox Live and you sound like a woman, you're playing Call of Call of Duty. Like my God. Yeah, you're getting like shit on <laughs> like ASAP. So like they're still dealing with this issue regular regular women gaming right and now i mean so in some ways you look at it's like oh we haven't grown that much uh, as a gaming community on the other side on the i guess on the professional side on the side that has to be forward facing you know that has to have that shine of corporate compliance and all that stuff you can see all these little programs starting to develop where you're like hey you know bring in more people diversity is great and how that conflicts with that kind of dark founding layer of gaming nerds where i think a lot of it comes from like these gaming nerds were ostracized for their hobbies of being like nerds and 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 geeks like just sitting huddled around their their old computers playing these games and somehow that kind of dark birth is is still there where they're like anyone that's not us they're, you're playing the game wrong and that kind of builds out into all of this uh, rampant uh, racism and misogyny that is prevalent uh, in in some of these uh, games. It's fucked up because, like, you, know, I feel like I have to fight my own myself, right? Because, like, sometimes I feel like that, right? You know, gaming and you know all this. I guess like nerd and geek culture is so easy and so widespread for a lot of people now. And like that, you, know, I always think about how people didn't put in the pain. You know, like like we might have back in the back in the day, but I always end up fighting myself because I'm you. I like you at the end of the day. Like I do the math right, and I I like that it is it is acceptable, right? I like that the geeks have inherited the earth. Mm -hmm. You essentially, you know what what's cool in culture. You know what's cool in pop culture is the shit that we consume, right? You know they they used to say that you know comics will rot your brain and games are worthless. You'll never make money and you know, blah, 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 blah. And now, you know, the biggest movies are comic book movies and video games make jillions of dollars. Like I've literally gotten paid in every possible way that you can 
to inv- uh to deal with games. I've gotten paid to write about them. I've gotten paid to make them. You've gotten paid to play them. Like I've you know so you know, and my my career abilities have been built on you know playing and understanding you know games, right? You know, any programming languages I've learned have been I've learned because I've been motivated to you know, from playing games, right? So like it turns out that you know, all of those things were not useless. So I'm happy that they're <laughs> worth something, and I'm happy that they continue to be worth something to more and more people. But like, damn, it's hard to it's hard to fight that first instinct. Like, yo, like you didn't put in that time. Like you didn't suffer. You know, like. <laughs> You like we did, like you weren't on the OG internet and you were getting called like every slurs <laughs> under the sun, right? And now you can be, you know, I guess like a, con- a conventional normie person and just be like, yeah, I like nerd things too, ha ha, right? Like, yeah, fuck it, it's hard when the out group becomes an in group and then they're faced with like, yes. oh, are we, can we still act like the out group? But how much of right. this is also mirrored in the larger scope of, life in in sociology and politics right like it's just a super interesting comparison at least to me yeah i wouldn't be surprised i mean we just we just talked about how you know it's basically affirmative action but in games right like yeah you i i wouldn't be surprised if it's exactly the same right it's mirrored out there too yeah like we just have to like as gamers i guess it have that self-awareness Right, like you, like you, to kind of fight against that initial instinct of, oh, I had to walk, you know, three three miles both ways, like you know, uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> you should too. Yeah, that that always ends up being the, you know, the the painful bit, right? Like, you know, you you, it's always the battle to you know, be better than the people that came behind you, right? We always we always have to be better, you know, just like in life. Uh, for me, it's just really fascinating that these, you know, these dynamics have grown so complex and that this is the kind of stuff that we're preoccupied. Like when I was playing games with you guys when we were teenagers, you know, like, yeah, were there all kinds of like racial slurs and homophobia and misogyny running around on the chat box that's at the bottom of the screen? Yes, but for- I was really just there to play Counter-Strike or Unreal. And I was having a good time doing it with you guys and I didn't really care. <laughs> That, you know, I was playing with a bunch of assholes because there's assholes all over the Internet. There's assholes all over the world. Like, you know, it's like growing up in New York City where you see people screaming and, you know, smoking crack on a train or whatever, (laughs) you know, trying to sell you candy for their basketball team. (laughs) He's like, these are things that are going on. But, you know, I have my own life to live and I can't obsess about these (laughs) things. But I don't know. It's, It's for me, it's really interesting that this is where this is where the focus is now. I I remember those days playing games on the internet and like when people would be like assholes and racist to us, we would just get like yeah we would be even we, yeah we would, we would love like, like we, we would get <laughs> fucking purple erections at that stuff. We loved it. <laughs> we used to go on the fucking uh, like the voice chat and just like play soundboards in them. Yeah, <laughs> like if you're gonna if you're gonna be racist or you're gonna be an asshole, we're gonna be yeah. a bigger asshole and we're gonna win exactly. eventually. Because eventually it just got boring to deal with us because we were out assholing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's not a game you want to play. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, those, 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 were, those were good times. Mm-hmm. Like, that was when I was able to play a game and have fun. You know, long before this pro stuff and everything had to be like 100% optimized. This is, the, this is the correct way you play. You know I agree. <laughs> You know, I blame you, John. 
completely serious. I blame you for starting me on this track because the first time you ever told me about frame data <laughs> and uh, as it relates to Street Fighter 2, I never heard of anything like that. I just played with the heart. I just played, you know, this is what comes naturally. And then you sat there and you were telling me about like, oh, like uh, Light Punch is minus four frames. Or, or this was plus three frames. And I had no idea what you were talking about. All right? You started me down that track where now I have to find the optimal routes, the optimal combos and everything. Um, I, I was just a happy kid playing games before you came along. <laughs> First hits free, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is where, you know, too much knowledge, uh, too much understanding, not good took the joy and now i'm playing world of warcraft 18 hours a day yeah and <laughs> aren't you getting your joy back from that it's a it's a complete fight because i have mm. to resist the urge like i have to resist the urge to go out and look into this institutional knowledge that's been built up by other people who know life this game even more than i do you know the people who pour over the statistics of like damage ratios and mathematics because at the end of the, the the day this is just math and everything is an equation and you can arrive at the best possible thing to do at a best possible time you don't need skill in that way so it's out there and if you don't do that at the highest levels then you are playing the game wrong because there are better ways to do it i have to resist that urge i wouldn't have that urge if i didn't have that knowledge and if it wasn't for john i wouldn't have that knowledge oh ignorance is bliss ignorance <laughs> is bliss but speaking of math and equations and knowledge, guys, I have one last thing I want to share with you before we leave today. And this was an article that I had linked from Vice News. And apparently, scientists have spotted a black hole energy beam as bright as 1,000 trillion suns. That's right. You heard that right. Wow. 1,000 trillion suns pointed directly at the Earth. That's Jesus. That's like 5D batteries. Amazing. I know. Isn't that <laughs> insane, guys? That's a crazy amount of power. <laughs> it's a mag light. This was apparently picked up by a, a camera that had been uh, deactivated due to glitches, but when it was reactivated, it kind of caught a glimpse of this. Uh, apparently, it's called a tidal disruption event or a TDE in astronomy. Holy fuck! Like, isn't that, that's kind of crazy, right, guys? Like, could you imagine it, it, an energy beam as as powerful as a thousand trillion suns pointed at you? Yeah, that's like some shit like that's like some shit out of Gundam or something like that. Like, I can't even imagine that. Oh, all I know is that it's one of those things where if, like you're just driving down the road and you're suddenly blinded and the the sun is going out of its way to just like fuck this individual person, you know, 9 billion miles away. <laughs> that's that's what I think about when I think about a giant space flashlight. Yeah, imagine getting that caught in your rearview mirror or something. <laughs> yeah. Warning. Multiphasic photonic event detected. 90 light seconds off the starboard side. Gravitational eddies have formed. 2,000 kilocams ahead. Recommend evasive maneuvers. Ah!